Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. This is Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, when he turns up, by the way, she has no idea he's coming. In other words, God commanded blessing to come, but the person who's going to provide it is not aware of it. That's okay. So he arose and went to Zarephath when he came to the gate of the city. Indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. She says, as the Lord your God lives, I don't have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Let me tell you the problem with enough and with the enough mentality that so many people have. And that's this. The problem with it is that it's enough for now and it's enough for me. In other words, enough is decided by is it enough for me? Forget about everybody else. Is it enough for me? Is it enough for now? Forget about tomorrow. So long as I've got, hello, I, I, I know I grew up with it. Give us this day our daily bread. God will only give you enough for today. Really? Seems to me like when Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes and fed 5,000 people and they took up 12 baskets full left over. Why didn't God, listen to me, why didn't God just give them enough to feed 5,000? That's enough. How much does it take to stop you from starving? They were fainting from that. It wouldn't take much, would it? Maybe a handful, wouldn't that be enough? How many of you here ever go and grab a snack just to keep from fainting with hunger? That's none of you. Some of you, maybe, I don't know. You ever gone through the whole of, of your work day and thought, oh, heck, I forgot to have lunch? You ever done that? Of course you have. I have. Oh, no wonder I'm, I'm hungry. I forgot to eat lunch. But you don't go out there and order a smorgasbord and eat everything. You just go and get a snack, don't you? Why did Jesus do that and, and, and create extra and abundance in there? Well, we'll come to that in a minute. Some Christians, unfortunately, have been taught that God wants you to have just enough. And this morning, uh, if you will allow me to, let me provoke you, because some of you here, you're going to go, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. I've had people argue with me over the years and say, well, yeah, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of things you can do without money. And I always say, really? Tell me one. And they go, well, I, uh, and I go, go on, tell me one then. I go, you can't even write someone a letter. By the way, that's the old-fashioned form of communication. Uh, nowadays, it'd be, how many of you know you can't send an email unless you've got a device to send it on and you've got an internet connection? Amen. Even if it's free Wi-Fi at Starbucks, you still got to have something to deal with, all right? Uh, and so some Christians, unfortunately, have been taught God wants you to have just enough. Listen to Proverbs 11, verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
The reality is, listen, God wants you to live a larger life. This is not a message about money. This is a message about living a larger life. I pray that every one of us here, if you've been in this church long enough, you will know we have always championed growth and enlargement. Not for our sake, not so that we can accumulate, but so that we can do more so that we can see God do in uh, vastly more than what we ever have known. And that, my friend, takes a lot more than a mentality of just enough. I really do, do not like the mentality that goes, if it's enough for now and it's enough for me, then it's enough. This woman's got enough for her and for now. And Elijah says to her, don't do that. You go in like you were going to. You go and make that thing, but you give it to me. And no doubt she might have thought to herself, well, who does he think he is? I'm on my last legs and he's there asking for help. But she goes and does it because he prophesies to her and says, you know what? The bin of flour will not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so it was. She got a miraculous supply and God demonstrated to her that His idea of enough is not enough for me and enough for now, but it's enough for your future and it's enough for those that you love. God wants you to live a larger life, believe for a bigger life, to do more and to bless more because enough is not Enough. The greatest need for people that have got not enough is a different mindset. A mindset that says, God, that's not the way you were in the beginning. None of you are gonna go to heaven and say, just let me go to the shack down the back. I'll just take a garden shed. If you've got a lean to, is there a humpy I can just kind of park under? You know, don't worry about me. I'll take a little pup tent in the corner. We're all going to heaven going, God, I want to see the streets paved with gold. Amen. Now, if you say, oh, Jeff, that sounds like the prosperity doctrine. Well, I don't even know what that really is. I just don't believe in the poverty doctrine. I, I just don't believe in the, I just don't believe in the, God wants you to have just, you know, only enough. So that's just about you. And so you sit there. What happens when you get married? All of a sudden now, it's not just about you anymore. Oh yeah, well, that's different. Now I'm believing. What about when you have kids? Well, I want that. But how small a life that would be if that's as big as we ever got. Amen. Pastor Bruce is there. I cannot believe a country with 79% of all the women under 29 have experienced sexual abuse or physical abuse. And I go, thank God for people that are living big enough lives so that they go and so that they say, I'm going to make a difference to that and so that God uses the things that have been in their world. Enough's not enough. The next level after enough is more than enough. That's worth knowing. It's more than enough. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, 
ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. These people that the Apostle is writing to, their needs are met. They're well and truly. It's not just about their today and their themselves. Their needs are being met. But he's saying to them, understand that you're more than enough has got divine purpose attached to it. Their lives are not limited to just now and just me. Most of you here listening to me on the podcast or wherever you are, most of you have got insurance. Why? Because you are thinking about your tomorrow. Most of you will have superannuation, I imagine. Why? Because you already have a more than enough mentality. You're thinking about what the future looks like for you. Lots of you here, you go on PD programs, personal development courses. Why? Because you already have a more than enough mentality. You already are planning beyond just now. That's the way we think. I'm, can I say it's a long time since I've preached like this and I'm just kind of enjoying the wrestle. I'm enjoying the challenge that there is to the prevailing thought that somehow or other God is a small God, that somehow or other God is a, is a tight wad, that somehow or other God is really happy if you're just a little thing climbing up. And that if you're just humble, some people are so humble, they're more humble than God. Such a thing's possible. The greatest need for you, if you're a more than enough kind of a person, the greatest need for you is an attachment to divine purpose. That's the whole point of that First Timothy 6 that Paul is writing there. He's not saying to them about their accounts and about donating to charity. He's saying the entire thing is this. He said, make sure there's purpose attached to what God brings to your life. Now, he didn't say give it all away, take a vow of poverty, throw it all out. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Huh? Humans are weird people. We we, we either or a lot. You know what I mean? It's either either I'm blessed and it's all about me or else I've got nothing. I'd rather be a little thing climbing up than a big thing coming down. I'd rather be poor with a humble heart than rich and lose my crown. We, We tend to think in either or kind of mentalities. And you know, I believe God wants you to think differently. He wants you to enjoy. Please understand. I'm not talking here about, oh yeah, and I'm given till it kills me. It's like Christians who go, I'm, I'm going to serve until it kills me. And then when they're dying, they go, oh God, I'm never serving again. It's killing me. I go, well, that's what you set yourself up for. huh? I remember telling the Lord once, I'm going to, I'm going to pray two hours a day. I went out on an altar call. I can tell you where it was. It was at, at uh, Karupa Street, no, Victoria Street, uh, back in West End in Brisbane. I walked forward. I'm only a young Christian and I'm fired up to pray. I am going to pray. I'm going to pray. I must have just read the book about praying hard. The man who, when he died, the, the doctors discovered his entire heart had shifted into the middle of his chest. Such was the stress and the strain, the agony of his prayers. I must have read about, you know, uh, what was his name? The orphanage guy. I went and saw these orphanages in Bristol. 
George Mueller, you know, who, who just said God will provide it. I grew up thinking it was a little tiny house. And I turned up and it's a university campus now. Row upon row, it would, it would make the uni accommodation across the road look like small buildings. It covers literally acres and acres in Bristol. And so I must have read that and I come out there and I'm going to pray. And I'm there before God. And I'm saying, God, I'm going to pray two hours a day if it kills me. So I got up the next morning and I prayed and I prayed. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I I checked my watch and 10 minutes had gone past. I thought, at that point, I thought, this is true. Thought flashed through my mind. That may have been a rash promise. But you know, I'm stubborn. I gotta be honest. I prefer to call it sanctified perseverance. My wife has other ideas for it. She's told me a couple of times in our married life that I'm reasonably stubborn. What's wrong with that? Amen. So I keep on praying. I prayed two hours. Now, mind you, I never prayed two hours and 30 seconds. I prayed two hours to the second. Oh, God. Now, some of you, you could pray two hours every day and you're floating on a cloud with Jesus and you and the Holy Spirit are just doing a divine dance of intercession. That's obviously not me. So anyway... I get up the next morning because I told the Lord in the altar call, I'm going to pray two hours a day if it kills me. So I went through it all again. At the end of it, I am not exhilarated, refreshed, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm totally drained. Going, God, what did I say that for? But I'm stubborn. I go up the next morning early because two hours, you've got to get up early to pray two hours. So I get out of bed early, I pray two hours. And I, I, I think by the third day, I came before God and I had a revelation. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'm sorry, I was an idiot. I should never have made a promise I can't keep. Would you release me from that promise? Well, I kind of felt like, well, actually, I never waited for a yes. I just assumed that well, I'm bolted. But I learned something out of it. I learned something out of it. Listen, God's not trying to kill you. God's not trying to get you into the place where your Christian life is all arduous obligation, where prayer and worship is about growing. Well, God, I'm going to give you praise if that's what you want. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. All the world will sing. How great, how great. And the heaven's going like, oh God, they're out of tune down. There's something chronic. Huh? Because God's not looking for that. You, you, any more than I'm looking for my children to come and say, there, Dad, happy birthday. I hope you like it. I got your present. You better enjoy it. Cost me a tongue. What kind of gift would that be? Amen. So God doesn't want, God's not trying to get stuff out of you. He wants us to come into His presence with joy. And He's saying to these people, make sure that it's attached 
to divine purpose. Here's the last one. Because there's three levels. After enough comes more than enough. And after more than enough, there's another one that I'm praying everybody in this church will have a heart to go to. Because if enough is about you and your needs, more than enough is about others' needs as well as yours met. Let me take you to the third one. This is 1 Chronicles 22 verse 1. Then David, yes, that David, David and Goliath David, said, this is the house of the Lord God. This is the altar of burnt offering for Israel. So David commanded to gather the aliens. Now he's not talking spaceship aliens. It's simply an old fashioned word that means strangers. Who in the land of Israel, he pointed masons to cut hewn stones to build the house of God. Watch this. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joints and bronze in abundance beyond measure. Cedar trees in abundance for the Sidonians and those from Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. Now David said, Solomon, my son is young and experienced and the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. I will now make preparation for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. If enough is about you and your needs, more than enough is about your needs met and others. There's a third level that I believe God wants every believer to get to and that's this one called abundance. Abundance is more than just my needs met. Abundance is more than just I can help other people. Abundance is about sowing to the next generation. David prepares in abundance for a temple he'll never see and he'll never worship in. If you go and check it out in one of the other passages, I worked it out once. He gave 1.2 billion, with a B, billion dollars worth of material he personally set aside for a place he would never see, for a place his name would not be on, for a place he'd never get to walk up and point to people and say, I built that. Can I say to you, church, in the life of this church, we are 31 years young as a church but we have still got vision that goes way beyond the horizon. When we talk about young adults in our church's life, I, I've got a vision that goes at least to the next 20 years for young adults. I talk with Hayden from Red Frogs, Michael Partha from out of MYA. Well, there's no accident that our next conference coming up in September is going to be one on, um, um, I was about to say mental health. Well, that's what it's kind of about, mental wealth mental strength in a person's life. And there's no coincidence, we're talking about that while the entire world of Australia at the moment, our country is preoccupied with issues of mental health because we wanna make sure that we are not just simply pastoring you that are in here. We are, are pastoring our entire nation. We're pastoring our state. We're pastoring the entire city of Perth. Our job is to see way beyond all of that. And so we are investing way beyond just our needs and what we want and where we are. I want all of us, I believe the Holy Spirit wants all of us to be believing for a bigger life than me and my needs, bigger even than just being able to help someone. I've been challenged by this, quite frankly, because it's very easy to get into the groove, into the safe place of going, well, thank God, now out of my more than enough, I can give in that and I can do that. But I'm believing, you better believe I'm believing.
for what we want to do, particularly with young adults and with kids. You know, I see the day when our kids ministry will run family seminars and your neighbours and your work colleagues will come not because it's a church meeting, but because they know the church has got an answer that no one else has got. My saying to Hayden all the time is this one. No one ever stole a Volkswagen if they've got a Rolls Royce in the garage. And if we intend to touch our community, we need to let them know that their life's got value beyond a moment's Instagram post, beyond a couple of selfies and however many likes on Facebook. We need to let them know that there is something intrinsically valuable about each human life, not because out of our humanity and out of our sociological training and disposition, we look at your humanity and we go, you've got value. Because we're living in a weird world where all kinds of people, we're, we're encouraging them to get rid of people that aren't necessary. And yet the Bible says that God so loved the world. And, I, and all I want to do is reach the world. Amen. All I want us to do as a church is to go, enough's not enough. God bless you if, if you, you've come out of not enough and you're in enough. God bless you. I think that's awesome. But what if God wants you to go from that? Most of us here in this place have gone to the place of more than enough. I believe as a church, we've yet to go to the place of abundance where we start saying, you know what? I'm gonna make sure the next generation, I may never see it. I'm fully prepared. Now, I believe I'll still be around 20 years. But you know, maybe, maybe it's gonna be a long way past all of that, that some of these things are gonna bear fruit in our world. I don't believe the church ought to ever become some little hidey hole where we run to escape the evil world. Church ought to be the place where we come to get filled so we can go and pour it out. Amen. 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 I love what Hope's doing right now. Uh, the, the change, the shift in the atmosphere down there is palpable if you've been going down there long enough. And the, some of the things that Amanda and the team are talking about of mentoring people to help them get up and stay up. I talked to a man just this week, sleeping in his car or in the bush, actually. I chatted away to him for a while and I said, must be terribly cold. He said, well, we've got lots of blankets. I said, that's great. And then he started telling me about he's tried to get up. But you know, we were talking about it before church. You know, if you're down the bottom, you know, you get up, doesn't take much to kick you back down again. And I believe that God wants the church. I really do with all my heart. I believe God wants the church to be the answer, not the problem. And I know you believe that. I'm not telling you something you don't know. Amen. Many of you have come with us on the journey from enough to more than enough. And together we've helped thousands. But I want us to go on the journey to the next level. I want you to look with me down the road 20 years from now. Some of the ones we're going to help are not even born yet, but we're going to help them. I said to, we had a transformed board meeting this week. Mark was sitting there he's on his way to Peru now as we speak. But he said, what was your highlight of the conference a couple of weeks ago? I said, well, for me, it's the fact that we are finally getting to the place we always wanted to get to. 
our first group of students are now studying at university. I said the goal was never to get children off the streets. The goal was never to give them a, an education. The goal was never to feed them and help their families out of poverty. That was never our goal. Our goal was transform Cambodia. I said, we haven't made it. Some people go, you know, there'll be, I think it's 140 people will have graduated high school. 96% of them go to university, by the way. 96%. 96%. And it doesn't cost less. I've suggested to transform that we can start a university bursa program, scholarship program. I said, I want to I help somebody get through you because this is actually the bit we always want to get to. Amen. And so I'm encouraging you. I, I'm not trying to, no, we are going to receive destiny offering. Amen. And some of you are going to think, well, that's what that was. He was headed for that. Well, no, because we've been doing it each one of these Sundays. We just do it in every service. What I'm at right now is I want to provoke something inside of you to go, God, could I lead a bigger life than what I'm leading? God, what if you mean my footprint to transverse nations and I'm just happy with the neighbourhood? What if what my life is meant to be about is changing the world in which we live rather than reading about the problems in the paper? Amen. Forgive your pastor if he gets a bit passionate and stirred up. But I don't really need forgiveness. I believe that it's the Holy Spirit provoking us and I'm praying that lots of you here are going to go out of here and go, God, I don't know how. I don't, wouldn't know what to do. I don't even know where to start. But God, would you take me from enough to more than enough? God, would you take me from more than enough? God, I'd love to be a part of things that I'll never see. I might never. We talked last week at the town hall about buildings. Buildings are never going to be my number one thing. Buildings are a great monument and they're a great facility and I love them and we will have a great one, I've no doubt. But can I tell you, that's never our goal. We aren't, our goal is no, we won't get a building and go, wow, we've made it. We'll just get a building and go, ho-hum, thank you for that, Jesus, we love it, amen, let's go on. Because our goal is all going to be about the next generation and what we can do in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, help us today. Pray, Holy Spirit, that each one of us, myself included, Lord, none of us, I'm certainly not preaching at, I'm preaching to. And I'm preaching to me as much as anyone else. God, save us from small thinking and small mindedness and small living. That's about just now and just me. Take us on from that, Lord, to more than enough so we can become a part of the answer. But Lord, many of us have sat in that space for a long time, wondering, Lord, what else you may have had in mind? God, would you take us forward so that we can do even more in Jesus' name? Thank you for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I think the greatest thing you'll ever do in your entire life is to give your whole life to Jesus Christ. I think about it a lot. Wonder how I got here. Little boy from a little country town that most people have never heard of. 
How do you end up in this space? How does your life get so transformed from what it used to be? But I could go around this building and I could point out lots of people here who are in exactly the same space and now they love God. They don't just serve God, they love God. Their lives are changed and their families are changed and they're different because there was a moment. There was a moment. Listen, becoming a Christian is not an educational process. It's not learning enough of the Bible, knowing enough so you can make the shift. Team, please come. That's not it. Becoming a Christian works like this. You ask Christ to make you one. A Christian is simply a Christ one. It's somebody. And I want to ask you, come on, if you've been a Christian a long time, would you just right now be praying for people around about you? You're one. You, you've, you're there. You know what it's like to serve Christ. That's why you're here. You love Him. You worship Him. You love His Word. And you know how to pray. And God uses you and it's beautiful. But our heart is always going to be for those that don't yet come to Christ, don't yet know Jesus. What a magnificent thing. If I had one last breath and I knew it was my last, someone asked me once, what would you do? I said, I'd go and find the nearest person who didn't know Jesus and I'd tell them about Him. Why? Because He alone has got life. He alone's got the ability to work on the inside of you. Psychologists will work with your head. Thank God for them. Doctors will work with your body. Thank God for them. A gym coach or a personal trainer will work with your physique. Thank God for them. But I only know one person is able to get inside the soul. Religion can't do it. You just talk to them or to who you think they are. Images. I was in someone's house the other day and there's images of this God everywhere. But that's unfortunately not enough. Because it's not something out there I need, it's something in here I need. Amen. It's the greatest thing on planet Earth. That moment, can you remember it? I do. For me, it was in a Salvation Army building in Nunder in Queensland. In those days, they asked people to walk forward. No one ever did. But on this night, heart pounding. And it was. Not out of fear. But out of all God, the impact of the moment so spoke to me. I remember sitting there saying, God, if they sing it one more time, I'll go. Well, they sang it one more time. I thought, well, I have to go. And that day we knelt down. I remember kneeling down, but you know, I went home a different man. Why? Not because of what someone did up here or what I heard in here but out of a, a major transformation in here. Jesus loves you and He wants to live in your life like He lives in mine. You're no worse. You're no different. He wants to live in you. It's a beautiful thing. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward and kneel this morning. If some of you want to put up the yes text, this is as simple as you can do this. I'll lead you in a prayer in a minute whereby you say yes to Christ. And then you can text YES to 488 It's our number. It doesn't go out into some big database. It's us. You can log on to yes.metrochurch.org.au. But that's, 
they're what you'll do that'll help you move forward. But this moment right now is the one where I'm going to pray with you where you can say yes now. Text yes, 0488 But say yes now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray with me, would you? Just wherever you are, lots of Christians are going to pray it. Not because they need to ask Jesus in again, but because they want to encourage you that need to say yes. Make this your prayer, Lord Jesus. Thank You for dying for me because I matter to You. Come into my life. Save me. Change me. Forgive me. Help me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a Christian because I said yes. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray for the people that have said yes. Pray for the people that are watching or listening, that are saying yes. They're in a hotel room and they're saying yes. They're in their home and they're saying yes. They're listening to it in their car or their office and they're saying yes. I pray for them today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.